a Star Wars story podcast. A podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we will be discussing Bunch of the Sith, as well as Clone Wars, how they work to tie up the prequel trilogy, and the main character of this trilogy, Bail Organa. I'm your host, Brooklyn. And I'm your other host, Delaney. Um, and we're here to close out the prequels today. I, it's wild that we have reached the end. I mean, I know it's only three films, but there's a lot to cover, a lot of ground to cover with these movies. So it's kind of oh, yeah. wild that we've reached the end of this, of this trilogy. Of this trilogy. We still have a lot to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I'm like, man, this is a feat. I'm too excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like patting myself. <laughs> I'm like patting myself on the back. And then I'm like, oh, we still have like two other like basically two other trilogies minus like the final installment of the third and then we have and two stand- and rogue one <laughs> yeah two standalone films so i'm like okay let's let's calm down a little bit um let's take a chill pill. but yeah also we did want to mention um we're gonna change the format of our rewatch a little bit so our rewatch movies will be every other week and we're going to be combining them um, so we were originally going to do an episode about Clone Wars and then an episode about Revenge of the Sith, but instead we're going to take whatever we were going to do like an extra episode on um, and merge it with what we're going to be talking about for the actual movie. Um, and then in the weeks between, we'll either, if it's kind of a slower week in the Star Wars realm, if we're busy, we'll take that week off and we'll let you know when we do. Um, and if not, then we'll, fo- we'll do an episode talking about the news, what's dropped, if we have, like, a specific episode we want to do, so just an FYI, that's going to be kind of the format of this going forward. Yeah, just so you guys aren't confused, if you've been with us since the beginning and are really, for whatever reason, attached to the schedule that we had laid out in the beginning, um... <gasps> Which, (laughs) yeah, sorry, but this is something that's going to work a lot better for us um, and our schedules. So bear with us for now um, as we're slowly finding the groove of this, um, of this podcast thing that we're doing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think, yeah, uh, Brooklyn was the one to mention tying in Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. And I think that's a really good idea because I do think that they are very intrinsically linked as one informs the other. So obviously, you know, when you look to Clone Wars, you watch, if you've seen Clone Wars, which I'm assuming probably most everyone who's listening to this has, you watch that show and then you're not able to watch Revenge of the Sith the same ever again um, for the rest of your life. So because it just deform- it informs so much of these movies. So we just thought it'd be really good to kind of break down basically the foundation of Clone Wars. Obviously, we're not going to sit and discuss like each season or like even like episode by episode because that would take forever. Um, but just the key points, the foundations, the episodes, the arcs, the characters, the highlights. We're going to do highlight reel of Clone Wars right now for you. So Oh yes, buckle up! We did not rewatch all of Clone Wars because there's a million seasons, and also it's no longer on Netflix, so I can't watch it very easily. (laughs) Yeah, it's like honestly, I watch it in its entirety on Netflix, but there was a huge chunk of time where I just did not even touch it on Netflix 
But then when they announced that it wasn't going to be available, I just got so up in arms. Like, it wasn't that I was watching it consistently, but the fact that I knew that it wasn't an option for me to even watch just, like, made me so sad. It's upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, it made me so sad. Um, But, yeah, I think one of the the most, and obviously, like, because it's the first point that's mentioned that we're going to bring up, it's so interesting. Like, there's questions that you don't even realize you had prior to watching the Clone Wars. Like, it answers a lot of questions, but it also makes you ask yourself a lot of questions, too. Which, for me, that's, like, that's, like, a key of, like, good media, in my opinion. Like, because I don't want to know everything. Like, I want there to be a little bit of ambiguity and a little bit of mystery. And especially... If you answer, like, every, every single aspect of your story, then, like, you're not leaving any room for, like headcanons or people to write their own stories or stuff like then and especially in a story as comprehensive as star wars like there's no way you can like talk about every single aspect of it but i think that clone wars did a really good job kind of writing that line and saying like because attack of the clones like starts the clone wars and then revenge of the sith is the end of the clone wars so we don't see any of it and i think that's a really interesting decision to not actually show the war but we do see like the see the effects of the war like we see what leads up to the war in attack of the clones and then we see how it affected like the galaxy and how it affected like our main characters like even in the beginning of revenge of the sith like we see like there's just such a noticeable difference between the relationship of anakin and obi-wan like there's so much of that like grading like anakin doesn't really want to be a padawan like he's really struggling in that like power dynamic between him and obi-wan and you don't see that at all especially in the opening sequence of revenge of the sith of like they are a team they are one they are one person they are one like they fight as one they know each other's like fighting styles they know what the other person's gonna do and you can tell immediately that's because they've spent like the last however many years fighting together in this war and so like it it's i think that's a really interesting decision by george lucas to skip over that because i don't like i don't know that like sequel or original trilogy george lucas would have made that decision because like original trilogy is the war like we're, we're talking like it exists within like the war of the rebellion and mm-hmm. it, it within that period and like this the prequels do almost the opposite where it skips over the actual conflict of it and just shows you how you got to the conflict and how the conflict was resolved in a way that ended up creating the empire i think that's such an interesting like decision story-wise looking at the prequels but then it also opened up for the clone wars which is one of like it's i would say the biggest addition to the star wars universe that isn't a movie oh yeah absolutely. And, like it is something like that is so it's so much expands what we know about the star wars universe especially what we know about the force and what we know about the jedi and what we know about like so much of this galaxy comes from the clone wars Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, because I know that a lot of people, you know, on on the outside, Clone Wars is, the show is obviously set in, like, the prequel era, and I know that there are still people who are very, you know, anti-prequel or what have you, but I 
wouldn't even say that it informs just the prequels. It informs like Star Wars as a whole because essentially, oh, yeah. you know, these movies, you know, while we were first introduced in 77, obviously, you know, like we get to go back in the prequels and the prequels are like the foundation of these movies. Like we really get to see like where the foundation is laid for these characters that we meet in, in 1977. And I really think that it almost like this show like should almost be like required viewing (laughs) like I know that sounds really extreme (laughs) but like I feel like it's just so informative to so many things about Star Wars um oh yeah I mean I mean skipping ahead like you look at Solo and when Darth Maul shows up at the end of Solo yeah like people were so confused and it was like it was such a weird experience to go see that because like people who hadn't watched clone wars or even people who had just casually watched clone wars like maybe one or two episodes or something like didn't know about the whole like maul coming back to life arc of clone wars like we're like what is happening and so it was like this weird experience to be like in a major star wars movie and then be like well, you didn't watch Clone Wars, so and you didn't watch Rebels, so you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like so strange. But like it does. It affects like the rest of the story. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think it's such important like I would consider it obviously because it's not a movie, only because it's not a movie. If you're just looking at the films themselves, you could I guess call it supplementary content, um, because it's, you know, kind of working with the main source of content which would obviously be the the films but it also is very much so important in its own right and i it's It's, like obviously the movies stand stand on their own without the clone wars it'd be kind of dumb if they didn't but also like it is so much more enhanced knowing the clone wars to watch the star star wars uh but yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I think that, you know, what we mentioned earlier, you know, informing, we get to see either we get to see the conflict and the resolution or, you know, we get to see the flip side of that. I think a really interesting question to think about is what exactly did the Jedi do before the Clone Wars? Like what, what, you know, what was... <laughs> Like I, I don't even do? I don't even have like a clear question for this just because thinking about it is just so like mind boggling right? to me. Here's the thing, it's like it's like it's one of those things is like showing versus telling. Because what the Jedi tell us, what the Jedi Council tells us during the prequels, what Obi-Wan tells that tells Luke, what Luke eventually tells kind of tells Ray is that, like, the Jedi are peacekeepers. The Jedi are there to help keep the peace within the galaxy and are, like, are in that role because of their affinity to be able to interact with the Force in such a active way. Yeah. But what, what, what we are shown is the Jedi as warriors. That is what we see. We don't yeah. see them as peacekeepers. So it's really interesting to kind of, like have people like reiterate this this idea and this you know legacy of like the jedi are peacekeepers it's like well okay well how 
but show me that kind of thing, you know? And I think that that's what affects a lot of, like, that, that affects Anakin, that affects, like, Ahsoka, that affects, like, these younger generations of Jedi as they're when who are being raised during this time of conflict where it's they're told to be peacekeepers and that they're there to be like they're there to like keep the peace and to like you know not be take a part in conflict and all that jazz and then they get sent and then as soon as they get uh, you know old enough and get a master they're sent out into the war zones yeah and absolutely. so it's conflicting and like that is something that you know the the you know mental repercussions and political repercussions of that are very heavily ex- explored in within clone wars of what does it mean that the jedi are the ones leading the battle like what does that mean for the galaxy and what does that mean for the jedi themselves and so i think it's really interesting but they don't really ever say, like, what exactly did the role of Peacekeeper look like for the Jedi and for the galaxy? Like, we never see them in that context. And I don't know that we will. A, because Peacekeepers, in general, is that's a hard story to create, you know, conflict around in terms of storytelling conflict. But at the same time, like... You want to see, like, what the potential of the Jedi could be, you know? And, like, I think that that's why Rey goes to Luke to be... Like, I think that's a lot of the conflict between Rey and Luke in The Last Jedi as well, is these conflicting ideas of what Jedi are supposed to be. You know? Because by the time you get Rey gets there, it is... Her idea of a Jedi is someone who's going to go go into the fight, who's going to go win the battle for you, and who's going to have... You know, and Luke is in that really interesting position, which is why he's like, you know, on Octu alone, is that he knows what the Jedi are supposed to be and what the Jedi could be, which are peacekeepers, which are, you know, supposed to be these like peaceful, neutral, like forces within the galaxy. And he also sees what the Jedi were in reality. And, you know, he says in his, like, whole spiel to Rey that, like, the Jedi are the reason that the Empire were able to become the empire because it, it was a jedi who trained darth vader like it is this the the prequels really do affect a the rest of the or the rest of star wars as a whole but it really is an interesting like this time of conflict for the jedi and the positions that they're put in is really interesting in that it's showing the reality of the Jedi and the dark sides of the Jedi. Like you have episodes of, um, you have episodes of Clone Wars where I can't remember which one it was, but it's, I can't remember what his name was. Um, but it's when we follow, um, the troop of, of clone troopers, you know, it's Rex and it's fives and it's, you know, the clones that are normally serving under Anakin and Obi-Wan and they are, given to another Jedi on assignment and that Jedi is corrupt and he you know he has like kind of sided more with the separatists and he has he is inciting violence and he causes like clone troopers to kill each other for his own amusement and so it's like you you are seeing the worst of the Jedi and the best of the Jedi within the Clone Wars you know you see you know them trying to figure out how best to maintain 
the peacekeeper role while not, you know, affecting too much. Like when you have the whole arc with where it introduces Saw Gerrera and um, his sister, whose name I can't, what's her, what's his name? What's her name? You're asking the wrong person. Like, ah, I know her name. Yeah, I'm blanking know. on it. Like I, I won't, I won't be able to recall it in like the time frame. but uh, I know who you're but, talking about. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, and you have Ahsoka, like, teaching them, you know, tactics to... Stila, that's her name. Um, yes. You know, te- teaching them tactics to, you know, overcome, you know, their oppressors. And so it's this really interesting, like, it shows, like, almost because the Jedi were so neutral in what their role actually was, it it... it was almost this weakness for, I mean, for Palpatine to exploit in that putting them in a position where they had to fight and they had to kind of go against their original, like, ideals of peacekeeping in order to ensure the safety and, you know, morality of the galaxy. They felt that they... Palpatine put them in a position where they felt they needed to fight. Yeah. And then that is how the Jedi fall. Well, and like, I just always look to, you know, the restrictions that they put on themselves, like as a whole, like all the things that you're, they're supposedly not allowed to do or not allowed to let themselves experience or enjoy. And when you look at all those things, it honestly doesn't surprise me that it ends the way it ends because ultimately they're still fallible you know like they're still they're still suspect to you know they're still susceptible to all the things that you know get you know trap other people or are able to trip up other people and yet they're assuming that that won't happen to them because of their training or because of the rules that they've set or what have you but it's like no you are still ultimately a person who is you know someone who can be tricked or be misled and that's that's just what that's just what happens and i i always look back to like all the restrictions where it's like well we're not allowed to be in love and we're not allowed to experience all these things and it's like well i mean i feel like that is not really a recipe for a successful like mental state to just put that restriction on yourself um so it doesn't really surprise me that it goes the way it does because it, they don't really set themselves up for success in that way. So, yeah. but I, I don't know. I just, I always, I always rewatch, whenever I rewatch these movies, that's always the thing where it's like, I know, obviously I know how it ends. So I'm just trying to watch it within the lens of that and kind of identify like what, you know, what are all the different factors that lead to this? And there are, you know, a handful, but I'm just always, I always go back to the restriction and I'm always so fascinated with that. It really, really fascinates me. Um, and I, I get it. I get why they do it. To an yeah. extent. To an extent, I would clarify. To an extent. Yeah, to an extent, I understand yeah. it. Do I agree with it? No. Do I understand it to an extent? Sure. Like, yep. you know. Um, but I really also love the thing that, the thing, the pivotal, I, you know, really stress that. Pivotal thing that we get to see in this show is... Anakin's relationship with his Padawan and yep that's a very very unique relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka that you do not see in the movies and 
Mm-hmm. It really. And I would say you don't really see anywhere else. Oh no! I think the closest you get to Anakin and Ahsoka is Kanan and Ezra in Rebels, but even that had a very. It's still a very different dynamic. You yeah. Know, the close. I mean, the only real resemblance is that they're both, you know, master and Padawan. But I think that Ahsoka and like Ahsoka and Anakin just do have like a really, really interesting dynamic in that they're both very similar in their temperament and in their personality and so they, they kind of feed off of each other you know there's lots of, one of some of the best moments between Anakin and Ahsoka is being like you know like Padme will say like are you just gonna do this without talking to the council first and they're both like uh yeah we do this all the time it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. And you're like um I feel like you two disasters should not be together it's a bad idea but it's like it's kind of this like double-edged sword where like Anakin and Ahsoka both would have died in the Clone Wars without each other like ten times over. Like they're yeah. constantly saving each other's lives. But at the same time, usually the things they're saving each other from are situations that they got themselves into. And so it's like, well, I don't know how how helpful you are to each other. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Like, absolutely. I yeah, we get we get a lot of different sides of Anakin in this show. Namely, one of them, all the different interactions that he has with Ahsoka, which is a very unique relationship that we do not see anywhere else. So purely by that standpoint, this is a very important, you know, addition to the canon as a whole is this show. Yeah. And I'm I'm not not to downplay it. Like, yeah. There's like other parts of the show, obviously, that are important. But when you really, when you, when you're connecting it to the prequel trilogy, Anakin and his relationship with Ahsoka kind of takes center stage. Oh yeah, and I think was also really important to mention with Ahsoka is that we have, um, like, when you're looking at when the Clone Wars came out, it's coming out post Revenge of the Sith. You know, we think that. We're not going to get any more Star Wars movies. Um, But we are, like, this is a new thing, getting a Star Wars TV show. Like, still getting some more content. And it is focused for, especially for kids. Um, But it's the first time that we see a female force wielder and a female Jedi in a leading role. We see, like, people, like, women in the background within the prequels of being, you know, we see, like, Depa Balaba, and we see the... But also those female characters that we see within the prequels, we don't really get a backstory for them at all until the Clone Wars. So the Clone Wars does a lot for expanding the role of women and ex- within the Jedi Order. And I think it's so interesting and also just so amazing for these little girls in Star Wars where, you know, and Leia and Padme are amazing characters, don't get me wrong, but neither of them are at that point seen as force wielders at all. And they aren't Jedi, they don't get to like wield the lightsaber. And I bet there are a lot of girls who get who were you know kind of bored saying like i don't want i don't want to be in the senate i want to wield a lightsaber and i don't see myself being able to do that based on what you've given me and 
the Clone Wars gives them that. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because prior prior to the sequel trilogy and Rey, you know, we didn't really have any of that kind of representation when it comes to, you know, a a female Jedi at the forefront, like who is a like main character of a story. I'm not saying that there aren't other female Jedi, but yeah. one who is like a main character who is, you know, central to the story. So, and it's really, yeah, it's really, really cool. And Ahsoka will always hold a very special place in my heart. I love that character so much. Um, yeah, we were, Brooklyn and I were talking a little earlier about like the characters that stood out and it makes me sad to mention it just because it's like, you know, not, it doesn't really go the way that I want it to go, but I love Ahsoka, but I also really love Satine and just, just saying her name kind of makes me a little weepy, honestly. Like I really love that character and I'm glad we got that story for her and for Obi-Wan and I don't know. I just, there's just so many things. Like when I reflect on this show, there's so many things that will slowly pop into my mind that I love. I also love, and I was mentioning this earlier too to Brooklyn when we were talking for however long we talk before we record this podcast, which is like, if, if only you got, if you could be a fly on the wall for this conversation. <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah. Um, but I was mentioning that obviously for me, not that I don't like Jedi, because I do, but for me, I've always loved characters like Leia and Han and people who are more like, people who are involved in the fight, but, you know, aren't like necessarily wielding a lightsaber. Not that they're not, you know, I still love Jedi, but those are the characters that I gravitate towards for whatever reason. Yeah. And so I didn't really have a lot of interest in the Jedi Council at all watching the prequels like it just wasn't a thing that interested me and watching like leaving the clone wars after watching that i was obsessed with plo koon like obsessed with him and watching plo koon is so great and he like practically adopts ahsoka and adopts like all of his clone troopers like you see like the thing like his clone troopers have like like, the same way that, like, people were used to graffiti, like, their planes, you know, to mark who whose plane was whose. Like, his clones did the same thing. And they all had, like, this brand that said, like, Plo's Boys, I think, in, like, Arabesh. And it was so cute. And, like, he just, he's so great. And, like, the way he, like, call, he, like supports Ahsoka and is calls her Lil Soka and, like, ugh. It's he's so great. I know. I their relationship is so fulfilling to me. I love it so much. And not only their relationship, I mean obviously that means a lot, but just him standalone too is just like I'm really glad that we got to see I'm really glad that we got to see him as a pretty pretty front and center role. I mean, I know he's not like in every episode or anything, but I would say that he's like pretty centralized i think i think of the people that aren't already the main characters in the prequels he's one of the most prominent roles yeah yeah absolutely yeah no that that is a character that i really thank clone wars for 
because had it not been for Clone Wars, that would not have been a character that I would have ever been so passionate about. So I really, really, you know, give a lot of thanks, especially, you know, to Clone Wars for that, because I just, you don't, I mean, you see him in the prequel movies, but he's literally just sitting there, like, in the council room. So he does not have nearly, like, the reach. I don't know if he has any lines in the prequels. I really don't think he does. I could be totally wrong about that, but I really want to say that he does. does, I think it's only, like, a word or two in... Like, a Jedi Council scene or something. It's yeah. not anything, like, significant. Yeah, no, it's not any. Well, it's nowhere near what we get in the show. Like, nowhere close. But, yeah, no, I, I love those characters. And I... Oh, my gosh. I wish, I wish for the life of me I could remember the name of this episode. The episode that sticks out to me the most... And I hope that people will know what I'm talking about just by my description. But... I want to say that it's Ahsoka and maybe someone else with her and they go to this planet and there's like, I think it is either younglings or just like just people in general, basically. And they're on this planet and the people who are like from this planet basically like kidnap them, I think, or like bring them to this planet to like hunt them. So it's very like most dangerous game style um and i cannot for the life of me remember like any more details about this episode i know that i'm like oh this is my favorite episode but i only know like two things about it it's been a really long time since i've watched the clone wars if i'm being completely honest but yeah it's like it's like ahsoka gets like they're just on a mission yeah and she gets um she gets kidnapped and yeah it's it's a most dangerous game situation where they're getting she's getting hunted with some other like former padawans and yes. stuff yeah and so yeah that- and then like Anakin, the whole time in that episode is like being or during that arc is um like he's trying to like he's trying to find her and he's like beside himself and there's actually a really great scene in the episode with Plo Clune and Anakin where Anakin is cuz you know we it's no secret that Anakin doesn't deal with losing people very well um oh, really he thinks that he's lost Soka he's freaking out and he's like I need to go find her I need to go do this I need to go do that and Plo Clune is actually the one who like kind of helps him through that and is like well what are Soka's strengths like she's resourceful it's like okay well like she she's gonna find her way back you know like he kind of talks her through it and it's that like that relationship there yeah 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 he is great and i i i love i just love that episode i don't for whatever reason that one just really like just continues to stick out to me i think it's because the con like just the concept of the episode the fact that it is very most dangerous game-esque which is something that is already a very intriguing concept, like just baseline. I think that's why it sticks with me. Not that there aren't other amazing episodes, but that's one that I always think about because it's such an interesting, I don't know. It's kind of like worlds colliding for me, like that, like that story, but Star Wars, like set in the Star Wars universe. So that one, I always, I always think about when I think about Clone Wars, I always think about that episode, but my, my, favorite arc because if you don't know clone wars tends to be in these like two or three episode arcs rather than like individual episodes 
per se, or even like an overall arcing story. Clone Wars famously will like do an arc of an episode and then the next one they aired actually timeline wise happened like a year or two earlier or something. And it's a whole mess. But um, the one that I really love is um, the Citadel episode. That is one of my favorites because A, you get Ahsoka, like, Anakin explicitly telling Ahsoka, like, you cannot come on this mission. And he's like, the reason you cannot come on this mission is because, like, there's a high possibility that we're not all making it out alive and I'm not risking that with you. And it's like, first of all, that's the sweetest thing. And also, you really need to work through your issues. Um, (laughs) And... But also you get, I mean, it introduces Tarkin. It's like this whole arc of them trying to escape this one place for like three episodes, which is always a great dynamic. So that's one of my favorite arcs is the Citadel arc. I think it's just like a perfect encapsulation of what Clone Wars is. It has that relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. It has a relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin and, you know, all kinds of shenanigans happening. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that arc is very iconic. <laughs> Extremely iconic. Um, and I think that a lot of people would agree. I think that if you were to poll, just take a general poll of people, I think that a lot of people would refer back to that arc. Um, and I think... I mean, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention Mortis. Um, but True. I think but, our moms, Charlie yeah. and Kaylin, would disown us if we didn't mention Mortis when talking about Clone Wars. Yeah, please don't disown us. We we promise we're we promise we're we're professionals at this. So here's here's the mention of Mortis. It's right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, hey, moving on. Yeah, and yeah, now we're done. Um, but no, I it's. I don't know. I I mean, like, I just, I think that this adds so much to the canon. I also, too, you know, in tandem with, in tandem with seeing Anakin's relationship with Ahsoka, it's really interesting to see Ahsoka's relationship with the Jedi as a whole. Yes. And because we, I feel like it's such a, because obviously what happened with Anakin, you know, is awful and terrible, but it's unique. And I feel like, you know, everybody, even though they're all dealing within the same realm, they're all a part of this this same group. It's still a very personal journey that they're all going on. And they still all have these, you know, these demons that they have to deal with and all this, you know, whatever. And so I feel like that we get to see, the fact that we get to see Ahsoka's journey, you know, with being a Padawan and, you know, over the course of the show slowly kind of coming to terms with oh this is not something that i want to be associated with and leaving and that takes a lot of strength and a lot of bravery to do because it's basically like the only family that she's known for a really long time it's like her family and oh yeah leaving it's, it's, that- that's the thing it's like the jedi i think that's why we it's so rare that we do hear of jedi leaving you know is yeah. that the Jedi is not only like their family, it's their religion, it's their purpose. It's like their entire being is revolved around them being a Jedi. And so ah- Ahsoka, like going through, you know, getting framed, getting expelled from the Jedi Order, then getting offered a place back in after, you know, it was found out that she was framed. And it is 
just so interesting to see her you know coming to terms with the fact that like what she is given her entire not only her entire life but her like basically her entire existence to is not something that she wants anymore and like to have the strength to walk away from that and to not just be like well maybe i'll stick it out or something like that like it's it's it is such a powerful moment and also in that um in that scene where she's finally leaving and anakin is you know goes out to like not confront her but like try to beg her to come back one last time it is just a that scene is so heartbreaking but also Mm -hmm. like you get ahsoka acknowledging that she knows not only that like anakin himself struggles with staying within the jedi order but she essentially acknowledges that she knows about him and padme and she you know acknowledges like this isn't this isn't about you like it's not about you know because through the, through the through her whole experience you have you know Anakin being like well I'm there for you I am you know you can trust me and she's like but it's not about me being able to trust you like that was never the question like her and Anakin have a bond that goes beyond that just being Jedi together she's like but that also can't fix the rest of this you yeah. know you know she she has to say like it's not about you which people should say it's not about you to the skywalkers in general more often i think the galaxy oh better off yeah i i co-sign that statement like tenfold like i completely agree with that we all be better if someone reminded the skywalkers that it's not all about them all the time but you know you have ahsoka and also not only is it so powerful watching ahsoka leave but we also like it so sets up the way that anakin's mentality is towards the jedi going into revenge of the sith we see this cracking and this you know betrayal of trust in like this organization that he knows has its flaws like any organization has its flaws and you know and there are things that you can come to terms with but to watch this organization, especially for someone like Anakin, who had a period of his life where he wasn't a Jedi and he looked up to the Jedi, you know, it's be like and he has a different relationship to the Jedi than Ahsoka does, where Ahsoka was raised in it, essentially. Anakin has a good period of his life that he remembers where he was idolizing the Jedi and then to finally be a part of that organization and watch them so fully betray someone that he loves it's it it is one of the biggest cracks in Anakin's trust and relationship to the Jedi going into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think not that everything in Star Wars has to be equated to something in real life, but I I think the reason that that particularly stands out is because I think it's very, the only thing that it's reminiscent, to me at least, is people that I've, people that I've known, that I've watched them walk away from, like, let's say, like, a church or, like, a religion or whatever, and it's something that they've got, they've something that they've- Jedi, the Jedi are very, and the way that the structure of the Jedi is, is very, very reminiscent of organized religion. Yeah, and- 
I think the reason it's it resonates so strongly with me or that it hits so close to home is that I, you know, know so many people that that they, you know, it's not an it's not an easy decision to do that. And it's very, very hard because you find you find so much comfort in not only not only the organization itself, but the people obviously that you've met and just so many yeah. things. And, and it's become, really hard. Especially if you're raised in organized religion, it becomes so much of your identity as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really hard to separate yourself. And so I don't think I think that people need to realize if they haven't already that what Ahsoka chose to do is not only extremely strong and extremely brave, but it's something that it's going to take time. It's a wound that's going to need to heal. And it's not something that's, it's like, okay, well, she's gone and it's over. Like it's, she's going to have to, you know, kind of wrestle with it for a, for a little bit at least. And I don't know. And I, I think we're going to get some of that in, in the new season of Clone Wars, it's going to come out on Disney Plus. That yeah. we're going to get Ahsoka post leaving the Jedi Order and watch her figure out who she is when she's not a Jedi anymore, and figure yeah, out what absolutely. that means. Yeah, a hundred, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Just really, really resonates with me because, you know, I, I've just, I've seen it, and it's really hard. Um, but yeah, I really hope that we get to see just at least a glimpse, you know, of what that looks like for her and how she's kind of reconciled a little bit with that. Um, I think we'd also be remiss to mention, I mean, this is, this is completely headcanon, um, but I think it's important still to mention because headcanons are still valid and important. But yes. our headcanon is that Ahsoka is a lesbian and Anna t- yeah. Anakin takes her to pride parades. That's headcanon. Would, Anakin would 100% take her to a pride parade, first of oh, all. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Second of all, second of all, in the new season of Clone Wars, the story arcs that they're doing, some of them are kind of recycled ones that they were going to do before the show was canceled. And originally... Like, Ahsoka was going to go stay with, like, this boy, and it was going to be kind of a love interesty thing, and now they're doing that same storyline, but instead, it's going to be two sisters, and I'm just saying, it's right there, and if you don't do it, like... Give it to me. You gotta do it. Oh my goodness, can you imagine the power, like, just the absolute power that that would have? I I can't. I really can't. I would, I, would die. I, would, I would die happy. It would be so amazing. I would ascend. Like, truly, I would be on another plane of existence. Oh, my goodness. Come on, Lucasfilm. Give it to us. <laughs> come on. Come on, Dave Valoni. Please. Come on, lesbians. Let's go. Let's go, lesbians. <laughs> Let's go, lesbians. Truly. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I I think that pretty much kind of encapsulates all the most important things I think that are at least relevant to the next part of the discussion, which is Revenge of the Sith, which is the closing chapter of the prequel trilogy. And yeah, I think it's such, it's, I think it's so interesting because you start off and like, I mean, essentially, you know, by the end of, 
however long this movie is, which this movie is always way longer than I think it is. Like when I'm watching it, I'm like, I think I'm almost done. And I'm like, I have like an hour left. And I'm like, what's happening? What else happens in this movie? But you know that by the end of the movie, like Anakin's going to be Darth Vader. And I think it's really interesting. Like the, the first like 40 minutes of this movie are absolutely bonkers. Like you have like, <laughs> you have like Anakin and Obi-Wan like traipsing around this like Star Destroyer trying to find Palpatine. They find Palpatine then they run into Grievous. Then they like crash the thing. And it's like the most chaotic 30 minutes ever. And I love it. But it's also so like, happy and positive you know and so it's kind of like it's a really interesting way to start it like you could start i think it's a perfectly valid thing to start like you could have made that that decision to be to have anakin come straight out of this movie and be very jaded and be very scarred from this war and that's what leads him there but you kind of like you it opens up and you're like yeah he's still Anakin he's still you know this cocky kid who's a great pilot and knows how to fight and so it's a whole it I love the opening sequence for many many reasons like for even just the opening shot like the opening shot you watch anakin and obi-wan just in their starfighters alone and how they're going in sync and how they're so you know paced together and then we like pan and watch watch them dive into this chaos which is like that's foreshadowing for the rest of the entire movie it's anakin and obi-wan together as a pair peaceful and then it all goes into chaos. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say yeah. the least. Yeah, absolutely it does. It absolutely goes into chaos. I I like that we get to see kind of the duality basically right off the bat. Like we've had two movies that have set up this third one. And we get to see that in a lot of ways you don't really know who you can trust depending on who you are in this movie. Um, Just because there's infiltration kind of on both sides. And there's heroes on both sides. I mean, that's the opening. That's the opening scroll is. And I think again, like that's such a choice of it's this movie where the previous movie established, like these are the good guys. They're the Jedi. These are the bad guys. They're, you know, the separatists. And then it starts off the movie before we even see anyone. There's hero on both there's heroes on both sides. Evil's everywhere. Like no one is innocent in this war. And like as as the audience, especially if you're watching it for like the first time, like you don't know what's going to set Anakin off. You don't know what forces are working against him within this, you know, cosmic universe to make him into Darth Vader. And it's a combination. It's not just Palpatine. Like, the Jedi have a huge role to play in Anakin becoming Vader. Absolutely. Like, completely agree. I also want to point out that we, in this movie, basically, basically throughout all of these movies, I mean, obviously the first movie, Anakin is literally a child. But... 
I love that throughout all these movies, we just keep seeing his hair getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and the, the, the absolute power that, like, Revenge of the Sith Anakin hair length has, like, the length of his hair in this movie is incredibly powerful. Oh, and yes. honestly, yeah, I, I do not blame Padme for getting pregnant at all because, nope. like, have it you makes- seen long hair Anakin? It's the most powerful yeah. form. It is it's the most powerful like- evolution. He is in his final form, like truly. Um, and yeah, no, I, I just there's so many moments in this movie. Obviously, like there's moments later on that we'll mention, but. Yeah, this is definitely, like, final form. Anakin is V-hot, you know? Like, this is this is hot Anakin in this movie. Oh, yes. Like, Anakin was... Anakin, I this would say... Hot Anakin to the next level. Yeah, I would say Attack of the Clones is, like, handsome, but, like, still boyish. Like, this movie is, like, okay. <laughs> like, very, very upfront about what look we're going for for his character in this movie i also yeah i just think i really like i really like that that kind of i like that we get to see like you know there's growth with his character but there's also growth with with his hair and it kind of just kind of mirrors that in a way in a weird way um but yeah i i think that we'd be remiss if we did not mention that i i think that's really important (laughs) i'm all about the hair (laughs) Oh yes, long hair. Anakin. Literally, we have we have sky talkers with hands are a language. A Star Wars story hair. podcast. Hair. hair is a language. Hair. <laughs> it's hair. Hair is very important. Yeah, hair. I hair like have. I mean, like okay, so it's been almost an hour, so I think we're justified in mentioning the sequel trilogy. But like Kylo and Ray's hair is very whole important. Thing about Ray. <laughs> what? I already went on a whole thing about Rey and Luke and the Force and the Jedi. Oh, that's right. Never mind. I was like, I was like, we've made it an hour. We've done so good. Never mind. (laughs) Dang it. Oh, well. Well, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Hair is a language. And I stand by that. Um, But yeah, I also, I really think like this entire movie, we get to see that like Obi-Wan really doesn't give a single fuck about droids like at all he does not care like, like he loses r4 <laughs> we see with him like he r4 is with him through attack of the clones through all of the prequels i mean through all of the clone wars and he loses him in this battle and everyone's just like oh well that's unfortunate and i'm like dude is there no bond like there's so much to be said about like the sentiency of droids within Star Wars and all this stuff, and Obi-Wan does not care about any of it. Like, does not care. Just like, oh, well. Like, it really sets the stage for him, like, not remembering who R2 and C-3PO are in A New Hope, because he (laughs) does not care about droids. He does not think about them. He doesn't remember. Yeah, Obi-Wan really said fuck droid lives in these movies. Like, truly. Like, just does not give a fuck. About, does not care. Like, just completely, like, disregards. Which, I mean, honestly, like, come on, Obi-Wan. These droids help out so much in these movies, okay? Like, 
They're We're pivotal. doing everything for you. You lose R4 and then you can't fly anymore. So <laughs> maybe take it down a notch there with the not carry. Yeah. I also do think it's really interesting. I mean, we see, obviously we see his relationship with the droids, but it's this, this movie is the culmination between his relationship with Anakin. Like that is oh, this yeah. movie. That That is what this movie is. And I think it's so, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. It's just so, cause you, you know, obviously if you're watching these, you know, pers- like chronologically, which like you should, I mean, unless you've, unless you've seen them a million times and watch what, however you want to watch them. But if you're watching these chronologically and you watch, you know, the Phantom Menace and then you watch Attack of the Clones and you're seeing, you're seeing this history that they have with each other. And it just makes, it makes the ending so much harder to, to watch. It's just so hard because you see the dynamic they have and it's painful. It's kind of painful. Um, but yeah, I, oh my goodness. I, it's just so hard to watch because it's, it's not even a master. I feel like it's it's a master apprentice relationship, but I also would say it's like a father son relationship, and because he yeah. didn't really have you know he didn't really have that, and now he does. I mean, like even with his mom, you know, like he was taken really young and in a world with people that he had not grown up with in a place he had never really lived before. And you kind of just cling to those people that are your mentors. And those mentors become your family. And it's just, I just can't even imagine, you know, the pain and anguish that Obi-Wan has to experience. Basically watching a son, you know. Yeah. Like, he says you were like a brother to me. And I can see yeah. that relationship. But I can also see it as a father-son, too. And that's just so heartbreaking. I also, like... The amount, like, I just don't understand how people are so blind to Palpatine's intentions throughout these movies. Like, he's very clearly, like, just unhinged. Especially (laughs) by this movie. Like, he is just explicitly evil. (laughs) Which, in fairness, we're seeing him as that, but he's mostly doing that when with Anakin. So I think it's almost, it is almost like a test, you know? Like, how evil can I be before you're gonna be, like, before you're gonna call me out and say no? Yeah. And say, you know, and it literally takes, you know, Palpatine being like, I am the Sith Lord and you should join me. And then Anakin's like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Something doesn't seem right here. And you're like, really? How dumb are you? Like, I love my super. child, but he's very Answer dumb. Is super. He's so oh dumb. my gosh, we love our dumbass. We love he's him so, so much. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, what are you gonna do? What are you what gonna do? do? What are you gonna do? But yeah, also, and I, especially in light of TLJ, I don't take this word lightly because a lot of people have thrown it around especially in regards to TLJ and maybe a little bit with Solo but it just cracks me up that and Brooklyn mentioned this earlier but the one thing that George Lucas wouldn't retcon is the you're shorter than I expected line which 
George Lucas does not give like two cares about continuity, like ever. Oh, yeah, like he, yeah. you know, there's no continuity within this within the original trilogy. Like he doesn't care. But like Anakin's throwaway line to Grievous means that like Dave Filoni in the Clone Wars could never have Anakin and, and Grievous meet. And I'm just like, how do, why? Why is that the one hill you wanted to die on, George Lucas? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. And that's why I'm like, I don't even like to, like, retconning is just, like, almost a meme at this point. But it's also just, like, something that's thrown around by people who are just, I don't know, just really not the people I like to associate with typically in fandom. Just because retcon mm. is not used in the context that I feel like it should be used in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's so funny that that, that is the one thing that he's like, I will not budge. Like, I will not compromise at all for this, which like, okay, honestly, like respect, like stand your ground, like low key respect. <laughs> you gotta yeah. respect it. Like, it's so funny. It, it cracks me up. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, I... It's God. also funny when you, like, look at the moment, when you watch this movie, and you're like, I wonder if, like, this one thing was different. Or I wonder, it's kind of like that, like, when a butterfly flaps its wings. Like, yeah, it's the butterfly effect. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I wonder if this one thing hadn't happened, or maybe it had happened, but it happened in a different way. Like, yeah. what if they all, what if they actually did all crash? Like, in that moment the where they The would have been so much better off. If Anakin had crashed the ship and they didn't survive. That's just the truth. They would, the it would have been better. You would have... Leia and Luke still would have been born. You have... Like, you don't get Darth Vader and Palpatine. You The Jedi Order survives because you, Palpatine doesn't, like, start Order 66. Like, Anakin should have crashed the ship. It would have been a suicide noble move. It would have been kamikaze, take the ship down, save the whole galaxy. Yeah. And I know I know that we mentioned this when we talked about Attack of the Clones. But again, who who do Anakin and Padme think they're fooling exactly with them I trying to hide their- I do not believe <laughs> for one moment that Anakin and Padme actually kept that a secret. At all. Yeah, no. Whatsoever. No. Especially no. not to people like Obi-Wan- Ahsoka, Bail Organa, like, no, none of them, none of them kept the secret. Like, they think that they're so, they don't even wait for everyone to, like, leave this giant, open, spacious room where you can see everyone before they, like, run into each other's arms. Like, y'all are bad at keeping this secret. Everyone knows. There's just a war going on, so we have bigger problems than you two getting it on. Like, that's just the reality of it. If they had survived, it would have been like, all right, so we know that this is a thing. We should probably deal with it now. But you were, like, a really great general. So, like, we weren't going to mention it during the war. But, like, everything's kind of died down now. So let's deal with this whole you kind of have a wife and kids thing. But 100% everyone knew. At least the people who heard knew. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and yeah, no, I absolutely, they, they're fooling themselves if they think that everybody around them has no idea of what's happening. Like, 
that's just kind of, it's kind of one of those situations where you want what you believe so badly to be true that you're like, basically kind this of like, it. The, yeah, pulling this off. yeah, it's like you convince yourself so hard, even though you know it's not true, but it's like that kind of like psychosis where it's like, you are in your own head so much where you're like, oh, but no, like, and you like come up with all these reasons of like how you're fooling them. And it's just like, you're kind of like deluding yourself yep. a little bit, yep. but, and I totally get it, but it's like, who are you fooling? Or who do you think, who do you think you're fooling? Um, and I guess, I guess we have to mention Palpatine again in this conversation. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a, sh- not a sheave stan myself, but yeah, you don't if, like Palpatine. I will go on record and say that no, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> um, that might change after Tross, depending on what goes down. Ah! But I keep forgetting that he's in that movie. Oh my god, not Brooklyn! How could you? How could you? I don't. It, it like escapes my brain. I get so Brooklyn. focused on everything else. Okay. I get so focused on, like, Ray and, like, Kylo. Every So many other things happen in that trailer, okay? Listen, Honestly, I don't blame you for... And we only hear Palpatine. And I know that it's confirmed that it's Palpatine, but, like, also, I always forget that he's there until someone says something, and then I'm like, oh, okay, Palpatine. Okay, honestly, I don't blame you, because, like, I would... if. Like, the fact that we are getting Raylo, like, almost 100%, like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, like, hyper-focused on that. So, I I don't forget, per se, that he's in this movie. I just don't, like, think about it as often as I think about all the other things we're going to be getting in this movie. Um, I do think it's, it's very, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like, he was in, he was in episode one, and now he's in episode nine, and it's, start to finish and i mean it makes a lot of sense i mean i looking at it now it's like okay how did i not see this coming but it's just oh my goodness he is just he's sneaky he's really sneaky that's all i gotta say he's a sneaky one. That's he, he is he's so a sneak. he is a sneaky sneak he's a sneaky boy he but he like, if you look up long game in the dictionary, there's just his picture. Like, right there. It's Palpatine. Like, he he has invented the long con. Like, that... Yep. Th- literally, he invented it. I will not... I am not accepting criticism at this time or questions. Like, he invented nope. it straight up. Um, Again, mentioned it earlier, but we get a scene of Anakin walking at night like with like a moonlit glow and he's shirtless um and all i have to say is just like abs i guess um it's a lot to handle that that scene is a lot to handle it's it's a lot it's It's, like it's it is a gift True. It shaped it honestly shaped me into the person that I am today. I don't take that scene lightly. <laughs> um, I hope people know I'm joking when I say stuff like this, like super monotone. Like I hope that people like listen to that and know I'm joking. If not, I'm what are you obviously about? joking. That just did change my life. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. 
but yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And like, yeah, I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love too. I can't believe we've gotten this far into this episode and we haven't talked about Mace Windu. Um, oh my God. That's kind of Mace a feat. Mace Windu, honestly. Like, Mace Windu is a dick. Say it. Say it. <laughs> That, that, that's, that's the long, that's, that's, that's the end of it. He just is. He just, every time he speaks, especially in Revenge of the Sith, I'm just like, who do you think you are? Who gave you the right? Like, literally. Back up, man. Like, (laughs) take a step back, control yourself. Stop being you so much. That'd be great. Yeah. It is. Mm. He is. He's just, like, so rude all the time. He's just always, like, shutting Anakin down. Like, he is a lot of the conflict that Anakin has with the Jedi. Well, and it's like, very- he goes to Yoda for help. Like, he is still has that relationship with Obi-Wan. And Windu is the one who's constantly like, boy, sit down. Like, you're not going to be a master. You're not doing this. Like, he sees, like, Mace Windu as kind of the, like, embodiment of all of this, like, power dynamic struggles that he has been having with the Jedi. And he's not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So, yeah, Mace Windu can leave. He's very annoying. See yourself out, Samuel L. Jackson. Not Samuel. Well, I love Samuel Jackson. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> in this movie, in this, in the context of this movie, we let me clarify. Keep Sam Jackson, Mace Windu can leave. We'll keep Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, but yeah, Mace Windu can leave. Um. Sorry, that was a little yeah. cross a cross fandom moment, but crossover. Whatever. Yeah, we're doing. A, yeah, this is a crossover episode, you guys. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's we will now this. Nick Fury <laughs> and Carol Danvers' relationship in Captain Marvel and how it's the purest thing to come out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Go. Oh yeah, did you guys think you clicked on a Star Wars podcast? Oh yeah, no that that this past hour that was just like us like bantering. Like, no, this is actually a Marvel stand podcast, so. Just so you know, just so we're being transparent oh, about this. Yeah. Sorry, this is all we talk about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know why what you thought you clicked on, but we're going to be talking ex- extensively about how Carol Danvers is a lesbian and yes. Nick Fury's relationship with her, and also Carol's relationship with her girlfriend. So, yes, just her so you know, Maria. yeah, we just so you know. know, I mean, like we're just laying it all on the table. Um, yeah. Sorry for the little sidebar, <laughs> but um, I just I cannot in my mind like I know that he's Mace Windu, but I just like at this point in time I just cannot separate him from the context of Marvel in my brain. Like I, I think is- the thing is I really can separate him in this movie because he does look so different from all his other roles as Mace Windu. Like yeah, he just he a he's a lot younger. You know, the movie came out twenty years ago. 
But also, like, he has a completely shaved head, you know. Mm-hmm. Most of his movies he has, you know, some kind of hairdo, usually, like, some scarring. He's usually playing, like, these action-y characters, you know. And usually people who are much more, like, I don't know, like, gruff and rough around the edges and kind of people. But this one, like, Mace Windu is very much, like, it's almost like a purist, you know? And so it's very, oh, like, different role for Samuel Jackson to be in. So I do, like, almost forget that it's Samuel Jackson. Like, he really, like, disappears in this role. I don't know if you can even have a Revenge of the Sith episode and not mention the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Like, can you... Can you even do that? Have you ever heard of the tragedy of Darth (laughs) Plagueis the Wise? Like, I love that we've turned it into a meme, like, collectively as a fandom. Um, Yes. But I I do not think that this episode would be complete at all if we did not mention that at all. Because it's just so... It's one of the most iconic things from this movie. Not because of, like, even, like, the context of the plot. Just purely based off of memes. Which, love it. Love it so much. I also did not... I did not realize this until Brooklyn pointed this out. But the fact that when goodbye old friend is said that that's literally the last time they see each other as friends y'all yeah. mind if they, like go cry in a corner for a second because um yeah. so when anakin and obi-wan like it's their it's it's really their last scene together as friends and it's you know obi-wan's gonna go off and do his side quest as he is apt to do and you know Anakin is kind of sending him off and, you know, they're talking about the state of everything and, you know, Anakin is just like, may the force be with you. And when Obi-Wan says goodbye, old friend, it's literally the last time that they're friends. Because the next time that they see each other is on Mustafar. I'm very emo. I'm very emo. Like, extremely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Also another iconic Obi line, which is hello there, which another meme, oh. if you will. Oh, um, there is just so many good, meme. like yeah, there's so many good meme moments like from this trilogy. So many good really ones. Is. Like just like un- the unlimited power moment. Like just so so many good do it yeah do it yeah like so many good especially for i would like palpatine and obi-wan are like the meme lords like in this in these movies like 100 percent. like oh man i wish george lucas like i wish like i know that that was not intentional at all because like memes were like not what they are now but oh my gosh if he had like the hindsight to like (laughs) just know that this they would be iconic in that way oh my gosh i love it so much um Again, and I think that we've mentioned that score and the music obviously plays a huge, huge, huge part in these movies and really connecting you to the characters and really connecting you to the emotions and helping you understand the story as a whole better. But I also feel like we need to mention that coloring, like color in the movies is largely important. Oh, yeah. And... Because wait, I mean, like, you just think of, like, especially the use of a lightsaber 
is always used like for great lighting effects. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. see that in the battle between, you know, anytime Luke and Vader are fighting, anytime, you know, Rey and Kylo are fighting, you know, I mean, you have an attack of the clones, you have, you know, Anakin, like they literally turn the lights off in the room so they can just fight with their lightsabers and have the lights go out cool. But there's scene where Mace Windu is talking about how the dark side is surrounding the light side. It's not, he's not holding his lightsaber, but he is like, he's looking, it's like a screen that's reflecting on him, but he is completely enveloped in this purple light, which is what you're going to get when you get red and blue mixed together. And so it's this, you know, and those red is very stereotypically, that's a Sith color. That's a Sith lightsaber. Blue is the good side. They're the Jedi's. It's a blue lightsaber. It's Anakin's. It's Luke's. It's Rey's. And purple is the mix of that. And when Mace Windu is talking about the dark side being surrounded by the light, it's purple. And it's just this visual storytelling of, you know, this purple light is reflecting what he's saying in that moment. And it's just when you can hone into the way that color is used by just within these movies is just it's so beautiful yeah absolutely it's definitely there's so many there's so many things in this movie that are seemingly subtle and not just in this movie but in all of the movies and in everything that are seemingly yeah. subtle but when you go back and rewatch and you have time to, you know, pay attention to the smaller details, they really inform a lot of the plot and even the characters and the characters, you know, motivations. And I think that that's really interesting that they use color as, yeah. I mean, like, cause I know people say, people would say like the score is like a character, you know what I mean? Almost. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily almost say that about color, but color is definitely a very informative tool that is used throughout these movies, um, which is largely, largely important. Also, another thing, like, Obi-Wan is just such an interesting character in all of these movies, but it's hilarious to both of us that basically the culmination of attack of the clones and revenge of the sith is just obi-wan like doing side quests like throughout yes. both of the movies which is so funny <laughs> he's like i feel like here's the thing is like you have to have obi-wan there because he's you know anakin's master and he is it, it really comes from a storytelling almost conundrum of it whereas yes. you have to have obi-wan there because you know him from the from the original trilogy and you have to have Anakin because it's his story and how he becomes Darth Vader. But you can't have them together for too long because in Attack of the Clones, they'll they like they fight too much. And having that power dynamic, like even when they do fight, Anakin Obi-Wan's gonna be able to shut Anakin down, and then you he doesn't act on his impulses, which is what gets the story going. And then in Revenge of the Sith, you have almost the opposite problem, where they get along too well. They're too good together. And so if you have Obi-Wan there, he would have stopped Anakin. He would have been able to talk him through things. He would have been able to talk him down. And so it's this, like, you have to put Obi-Wan somewhere, because he is central to the story. So you kind of have to give him these, like, 
meandering side quests of like, this will eventually wrap back around to the main story, but we're just going to let you do your own thing for a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. And also just mentioning kind of, I mean, I know that we said this on the, in the very beginning of the episode, but watching Clone Wars and having it inform these movies, there are definitely specific moments in this movie where watching it post watching Clone Wars is a completely different viewing experience. And two, I mean, I guess it's typically like kind of just one fluid scene, but Anakin marching the 501st up to the Jedi Temple and basically the entirety of the Order 66 scene and all of that happening is completely different after you watch it Clone Wars. It hits so different. Like, we talked yeah, oh, about Clone earlier and how much, you know, he was an ace pilot and how he, you know, worked so well with his clones and that bond that they have. And then watching them have to follow Order 66 and shoot him down is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. And, you know, having this, like... You just watch all of these characters, you know, you have, you know, Ala Secura, you have, you know, Kit Fisto, you have all of these Jedi, most of the Jedi Order and these Jedi who you know, and who, you know, now from the Clone Wars, you have context. You're like, I know who that person is. Like, I know what relationships they had with people. I know how they thought about the Jedi. I know this, I know that. And then watching them get betrayed by their clones, it just, it hurts so much more after watching Clone Wars. I think that's such a beautiful thing, is this, we have this thing in the middle that does, like, bridge that gap, and it does, it's not just a, oh, what happened here? It really does inform your, like, knowledge of it, and, like, how you feel about these scenes, and I think that that is one of, like, the beauties of Clone Wars, is that, like, the way that it enhances your experience. And now we're finally getting to our main character of these movies, which is Bail Organa. You heard it, folks. Bail Organa is the main character. Yes. I don't know if you thought that it was Padme or Anakin or Obi-Wan or whoever. No, No. it's Bail Organa. It's Bail Organa. It's Um, our loving space dad, Bail Organa. Yes, it is. Yes, exactly. I... The thing that I love, and not, and I just want to preface this, not that Bale is not an amazing character in his own right, because he is, but every time we see him, it informs so much of how I understand Leia's character, and I don't want to say like, oh, Bale's only important to me because of Leia, because that's not true, but he is very, Leia is my favorite Star Wars character, if you don't know that. She's my favorite. I don't know how you would not know that at this point, but she's my favorite Star Wars character. And her parents obviously inform your understanding of her character, essentially, because it's her parents. And, yeah. I, and I mean, it is. It's, it's nature versus nurture. That's what it is. Like, exactly. that's, that's, you know, it's. And when you look at Leia Organa, she is the product of her two dads. Yes, she absolutely. Is oh, absolutely. Organa, and she is Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. 100%. And. And when we see Bale running straight to the temple, basically once he is aware of the fact that something not great is going on, he doesn't really know what it is, but he knows it's something that's not right. 
he immediately books it there. And it's like, that is Leia. Like, that is Leia. And what, Leia would do the same thing. You're like, you're like, oh, that's where she gets it from. That's yeah, where she exactly. learned. It's so informative to her character. And I, as someone who loves her deeply with all of my heart, I appreciate so much of all that we get from him and from Brea in the moments that we get to see Brea. I know that we really don't get to see her that much, but just the few moments that we get to see her loving with Leia at the end, just, I don't know. I just, I really love the moments that we get with her parents because for me, it helps me understand her as a character. And that's something that I am forever grateful for. I, I love, (laughs) this is something that Brooklyn mentioned and it cracks me up because it's something, it's something that I deeply identify with um, for me as a person. But Brooklyn, after watching these, because we watch these movies, obviously, and then, you know, kind of discuss them together. And the fact that after watching this movie, just coming to the, coming to the conclusion that Star Wars is just people yeeting themselves to and from bad situations <laughs> is, like, very Listen. much so me. It's me, okay? That's me, all right? People need to stop doing this. Like, Padme does it to Anakin. She's like, you know what? I think I can fix it. And I'm gonna go and go, like, send myself to Anakin. Doesn't turn out very well. Luke, like, basically does it to Vader. He's like, I'm gonna go, peace out, y'all, on Endor. I'm gonna go, like, send myself to Darth Vader. Then Rey does it with Kylo. She's like, see y'all later. I'm going... Going on that Star Destroyer, we're gonna go fight some people together. And it's just like, y'all need to listen and stop just yeeting yourselves back and forth out of situation. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. I think also, too, and this is like completely unrelated, but just kind of tying to a bad situation, which is lack of adequate healthcare in these movies. Um, not that not that Padme like put herself in a position where she wouldn't have good healthcare because it's not something that she has control over. But the way that I really know that this movie was written by a man is that there are literally like zero gynecologists in in this, you know, in in the galaxy where, far, far away. Where are my like, obstetricians? Where are my gynecologists? Like, how in the heck did Padme not even know that she was having twins? How? How do you not know? Like, yeah. even just looking at yourself, like, even if you don't have, like, which, first of all, you are in a very sophisticated space society. You should have, like, sophisticated enough, like, healthcare. Like, you brought, like, Darth Vader back from being burned in lava. Like, you can figure out whether or not somebody's pregnant and whether or not somebody's pregnant with twins. And, like, even if you were just, you know, you know, she, like, wasn't going to a doctor for whatever reason because, you know, she wanted to keep it a secret or whatnot. You still know when you're carrying twins. There's a whole extra person in there. Like, yeah. you're aware of that fact. And yeah. it's just... and like just the fact that it's like she's perfectly fine we don't know why she's dying and it's like okay (laughs) that's that's my thing that that is my thing i would change about the like is padme dying as she died of a broken heart it's the dumbest thing 
There's no way that Padme would just give up the ghost. Because she's All literally about to give birth to her kid. has fought for forever. And she now has children she has to care for. Like, uh-uh. No. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Also, the ending is very much so reminiscent. I don't, I mean, I know they're not completely parallel, but the fact that basically it's like, where do we take these kids? And Obi-Wan's like, okay, let's let's bring one to Tatooine, which is ended up so great for the first kid that started. Literally, like, Yoda, Yoda gives like this whole speech about how we need to make sure that these children are safe. And that Anakin Skywalker will never find them. And so, plan A from Bail Organa, our great space dad, is like, you know what? I will take this daughter and I will raise her to be my own. It's a whole, it's like a perfect plan, right? Obi-Wan comes up with, you know what? I'm going to give this baby to a couple who have not offered to take this baby on a planet. Which Anakin Skywalker grew up on. And don't change his last name. He's still Skywalker. And we're just going to kind of hope that Anakin never comes back here looking around. Why Why does everyone want to go back to Tatooine? Like, just... Why does everyone want to go back to Tatooine? Like... In Ray's voice, why? <laughs> or not even not Ray Finn in Finn's voice. Why does everybody want to go back to tattooing? Um, yeah, explain to me, please. Um, but yeah, I and I love. I mean, again, I know that we don't get to really see a lot of Brea, but just the just the the shot of them Bale and Brea cradling Leia is. Holding baby so, Leia, it, it oh, it gets me right so in It's so powerful. It's so powerful, and it's and it's so good because it's like it closes on such an emotional. Like it ends. The thing that I like about this movie is that I and I'm not like I know that this seems extreme, but I would not have any desire really to return to it if it if it didn't end the way that it did. Because for me, it's really hard to watch things that don't even have like a semblance of hope at the end or like just like just and so at the end you know obviously like the end it's like okay Anakin becomes Darth Vader and if it were to end there I don't really think I would find myself returning to this movie but because it ends with you see you see Bale and Brea with Leia and that's so 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 powerful and then you see you see Luke and you see like Obi-Wan delivering Luke and it's like just you can you it's, And you have it's that double sunset. And it's such a yes. beautiful like, like there are Star Wars like Star Wars loves a good wordless montage to end a movie. Like you have it at the end of Attack of the Clones where you have kind of this like long thing where no one talks. You have it at the end of Force Awakens, you have a whole montage of Ray like leaving and meeting Luke. And, you know, it, you know, she doesn't, there's no, obviously no words, not, no one says anything. And here we have this again, where it's this, like, ending montage of just 
like you see where it, it's it's that montage of hope is what it is after a movie that like just took so much out of you it's the like you know what those children are going to do and you know yeah. what they're going to become and you know how they're going to fix this all and so it's this hope of like you see leia with her parents and you see that they get to she's gonna get to be raised by these amazing people who love her so much and who will you know raise her to become part of this rebellion and to fight back and you see luke you know with that double that double you know sun sunset and just the parallel to a new hope and it's just it really it's so such a good montage i do have to say that like in like force awakens or the last jedi you do have like this send off line. Like you have like <laughs> Leia who says like may the force be with you or Leia who says, you know, we have all that we need right here. Or you know, just kind of a meaningful punch and then, you know, send us off for the rest of the movie. Our last final moments. Revenge of the Sith, the last lines are Bail Organa saying you should wipe this me- this protocol droid's memory and then C-3PL being like, what? Oh, no. That's the last line of this movie. Like, I know it's not the last sentiment of this movie. Like, it goes on and has a whole montage and stuff. But, like, that's the last line of this movie. That's iconic. It's iconic. (laughs) Don't come for me. That's iconic. (laughs) Just, I love that, like, this this movie is just George Lucas, like, shrugging. Like, 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 yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like okay well good enough for me oh no am i the one who's like nervous by the fact that they've said that this that r- the rise of skywalker is going to be c-3po's biggest role in a movie yet <laughs> I'm like, what is why anthony why? Daniels, anthony daniels like really fought for this like i can tell like he right? <laughs> like <laughs> But why though is my question. Like, he's been he's been so vocal on he's been the reason he's been so vocal on he's been so vocal on Twitter to prepare us for this. He's like, you won't be able to escape me, like come December. Like <laughs> Oh goodness. We don't need more C3PO, okay? At this point, he's a nice little addition. I don't know why he now has the biggest role of his entire career. It's fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just, so people have been speculating, you know, what the title, The Rise of Skywalker, could mean. So, I'm just gonna tell you now, it's C-3PO. It's The Rise of C-3PO Skywalker. Shut up. I hate that so much. <laughs> it's, it's my headcanon, so, sorry. <laughs> it's my headcanon now. <laughs> He's technically a Skywalker, okay? C-3PO. He is a Skywalker, alright? It checks out, okay? Like, it makes sense. I mean, sense. Anakin did make him. Yeah, no, he's he is canon, he is canon a Skywalker. Like, I'm sorry, I, but... Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I hate everything you're saying. It's so Gosh. cursed, and I am obsessed with it. It's so cursed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This is, this is me, like, in my purest form. I am very chaotic neutral. So... It's just I'm staying on brand by saying that, um, but yeah, and that and that wraps up 
our discussion on both the Clone Wars, but also Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, the end of our prequel trilogy, too. And the end of our prequel trilogy, which, like, whew, let me just, like, wipe this one off my forehead because, man, that was a feat. And now we have a bunch of more stuff to co- a bunch of more movies to cover. So we're just getting started. We, we have to do Solo next, which, like, I'm not. I'm 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 excited for it so that I can I can talk a lot about how I feel about it. But then yeah. we get to talk about Rogue One, and I will probably legitimately cry through the episode. Not oh my gosh, life. mood. Like, yeah, oh boy. I was oh boy. T- I was talking to, I believe I mentioned this to Caitlin the other day, but I was saying that, or maybe it wasn't Caitlin, maybe it was just someone else, but. I was mentioning to someone that I love Rogue One, but it's the hardest one for me to watch because when that movie, and I'm sure that most people, you know, remember this, but that movie came out and then like some two odd weeks later, Carrie Fisher passed away and she is CG'd as young Leia in the end of that movie. And so for me, those two events are the movie itself and the release and her passing are intrinsically yeah. linked to me. And so it's very, very difficult for me to watch that movie knowing that that scene is coming at the end, knowing that, knowing my emotions that I felt when I watched that movie for the whatever yeah. time I watched it after she passed away in the theater. And um, and it's really hard for me to watch that movie because of that. I love Rogue One a lot. And I, and I, and I love what that movie See, has- I almost had the opposite experience with Rogue One because- Rogue One is a like I watch Rogue One a lot and I I think it's because like whatever feelings I'm feeling like in my own life like I know that like like Rogue One is a safe place for me to process those emotions like I can go and cry in Rogue One and like it's okay to cry I don't like it is like Oh, it's like a warm blanket of sadness that's okay. That's how I would describe Rogue One for me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I pretty much. All of those things. Oh, and absolutely. It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It'll be, I mean, it's it's good to be able to process it. I haven't really talked about it in length at all with anyone. So I think that that will be helpful yes. for me maybe i'll be able to return to it more frequently after i process my emotions about it um because i really i mean i really do love that movie it's just like the last like little bit that's really hard for me to watch but overall yeah. i love that movie and that was one that i for me i didn't really know i mean i think a lot of people can agree but i didn't really know what to expect because it was the first standalone film we had ever gotten and I really had no expectations other than I was like, well, this is a Star Wars movie, so it's going to be at least good. That was like, (laughs) literally, I was like, well, it's going to be good, but like, I just don't know really what to expect from it. And I remember leaving it being like, I don't know how we've gone this long without this movie, like in our lives. Like I truly just, like it added so much for me and I love it so much and i'm so happy that we're getting a cassian and or series on disney plus like thank you so much so i'm so excited i know i'm i'm real like i'm really excited now too like once we start getting that kind of content i mean like i know that obviously tross comes out in december but we're gonna be getting the mandalorian starting in november and so 
you know, and I don't know when the Cassian one drops, but I know that the Mandalorian is going to drop, or I think at least the first episode. I don't know how they're rolling it out, but we're going to be having like that kind of content to talk about too, which is going to be really cool. Um, because currently we're just yeah. talking about all the things that we've seen forever. Um, but it's going to be really neat to be able to like live coverage type thing. Like we're going to be able to in real yeah. time discuss things, which is going to be really fun. And I can't wait for that. But yeah. So for, so for next week on the pod, um, we will announce on our Twitter, whether or not we're going to have a, um, episode, whether, you know, news drops or if we want to do our, our own special episode, but in two weeks, um, go ahead and look out for our solo discussion and we're going to have some fun Ay. with that to be sure. Hey, yes, absolutely. Um, I just want to give a special thank you to all of our patrons. If you do not know, we have a Patreon. It is a Star Wars Story podcast um, on Patreon. So please go check that out. If you're not currently a patron, we appreciate all support, whether it be monetary on Patreon, whether it be you're subscribed to us on like Apple Podcasts or whether you're, you know, following us on our Twitter account, but we just really want to say a special thank you to the people who are patrons because it's just really nice to know that that's like a very, it's a very cool thing to financially support like someone. And I know that it's not possible for everybody, but we're, we're really appreciative of the people we do have. So thank mm-hmm. you to Carla, Greg, Kayla, Meg, and Nick. We we love you all so much. We're really appreciate it. We're really appreciative of you. Um, and we hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. I mean, I hope everybody who listens to this enjoys it, but especially a special little shout out to the patrons <laughs> because yes. you know, a l- little, a little extra some, some for the patrons. Um, yeah. and again, yeah, if you, if you, if you have not checked out our Patreon, go check it out. Also, you can find us on Twitter. I don't have we done this in the past few episodes. I feel like we haven't. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like we fairly ha- certainly have. Okay, I could be totally wrong, honestly. But if for whatever reason we haven't, I mean, we do it anyway. But our podcast Twitter is at ASWS underscore podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Delaney Organa. And where can they find you, Brooklyn? I am at Brooklyn Bound and the O's are zeros. I love it. I love it so much. And yeah, again, thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you think of this episode. We we love to hear what people think of, you know, what we discuss, but we also just we want to incorporate, you know, people's thoughts about what we're talking about into our episodes. And I yeah. always forget to I always forget on, to like go on iTunes and Leave a review. Yeah, and leave a review. If you leave yes. us a five-star review, we'll read it. We haven't yeah. had one in a while, so go do that. Yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. You can tweet us, and we will see it. Um, but, yeah, just interact with us. We, the reason, One of the main reasons we created this podcast was to create a space for dialogue around these movies, and especially a safe space to talk about you know things that we love, but also things that we don't love, and things that we hope to see in the future and I just love hearing what other people are passionate about because there's so many things to love 
when it comes to Star Wars. There's so many different areas of interest. So yeah, just connect with us. We'd love to talk with you guys. Um, and again, I literally said this like two seconds ago, but thanks for listening. Cause I really appreciate it. I, I don't know if I'd be able to listen to me for an hour and 45 minutes, <laughs> but if you're able to, God bless you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> and may the force be with you. May the force be with you. <laughs>